Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, and especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. The military-industrial complex not only controls our government, but they control our culture. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. They do not fulfill that promise. They never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Pray on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. You can deny all the things I've seen, all the things I've discovered, but not for much longer, because too many others know what's happening out there. And no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth the dignity, the rights of man. That state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. It's about time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. 
Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are tuned into The Secret Teachings Radio. We're broadcasting this evening around the world on the Fringe FM. The Fringe FM app is free to download on your mobile device. Also, TalkStream Live and the Paranormal Radio app. If you missed an episode of The Secret Teachings or you want to hear more, want to listen at a more convenient time, you can subscribe to our show archive. Download and stream every show after it airs. Get access to the montages and the digital books. You can do that weekly, monthly, or the yearly subscription that comes with an autographed softcover copy of one of my books, which are also sold separately in digital and softcover on the website, Occult Arcana, Food Philosophy, and the Technological Elixir. You can read reviews of those books. It's all at www.thesecretteachings.info. When you subscribe or you grab a book, it supports the show, the network, and you. We also have our Patreon account coming with the behind-the-scenes videos. And we have a new affiliate sponsor, Pro One Water Filters. That's Pro One Water Filters, previously known as Pro Pure. I've got one of the old ones. The Pro One Water Filter affiliate program supports the secret teachings when you buy a water filter for your kitchen, for your friends for your family we have uh water filters and we have uh shower filters uh water pitchers and a lot more it's a very very good product i use it myself and we only get paid when you use the link on our website it again supports the show the network and you it gets you something that is practical that you can use uh, especially if you already have all of my books you already subscribe to the show Get yourself a water filter to support the secret teachings. That's Pro One Water Filters and the website www.thesecretteachings.info. On Monday this week, I think uh, it started the week out, the show, very dark. We uh, did a show called Fear and Square. And I like playing around with show titles. And the show was... Um, you know, it's a wordplay on fair and square. And I thought, ah, square's good because three-dimensionally a square is a cube and that's very three-dimensional and very uh, mundane and material and very, uh, as as the New Age community says, it's very low vibration. Uh, fear and square, though. Uh, fear is a, a, a great motivator for some people who know how to use it. Fear of not accomplishing something can motivate you to go beyond the call of duty. Fear is something that we can experience with video games and with movies from the comfort of our home in a safe environment. Uh, we might have the same reactions, uh, a gut-turning response, uh, emotional terror, something that we see that's frightening, but at the end of the night, at the end of the movie, when the video game's over and the PlayStation or the Xbox goes away, we're okay. We might still see things or hear a bump in the night and we're afraid, but it goes away. But, you know, these are the types of things that we're afraid of that are just kind of 
It's part of the popular culture. People like to be frightened. They go to Halloween Horror Nights. They like to be scared because uh, you can do so from a safe environment. But I don't think a lot of people realize that fear, if it's not used as a motivator, is an inhibitor of growth. And fear in the most mundane, general, and vague, but very complex and descriptive way can be described as a powerful, controlling tool. Um, Or as some say, the, the world that we live in is controlled through fear. And people control themselves, their own thoughts through fear. What are others going to think of me? What are, what, what are they going to think if I have a different view? What are they going to think if I don't, you know, if I don't go to the doctor? That's weird. That's bizarre. I'm afraid that they're going to think I'm a weird person if I don't trust mainline medicine or I don't watch CNN. Other people watch CNN. Uh, what are they going to think of me? Or, or they watch Fox News. And I don't watch Fox News. What are they going to think of me? It's, you know, everything, politics and, and health and entertainment. Like, oh, I don't really like that TV show. What are people going to think about me? It's fear. Everybody's afraid all the time of all this stuff. It's when you release that fear, truly do you become free, and you realize that sometimes when you have that necessary reaction, that necessary emotion, you can use it as a tool to progress spiritually. Uh, And I believe, as I discussed on Monday's show, Fear and Square, that the process of transformation is really alchemy, and fear is part of the base element of lead. And when you can transform that fear into something powerful and something creative and, and, and something that is able to, to advance your, your, your spiritual growth, if you will. Uh, it becomes part of that alchemical process that turns that base material lead into gold. And, and those unable to do that are absorbed in the material animal world and they turn into uh, what various Native American cultures and even what the Japanese refer to as uh, soul eaters or soul suckers, or they're basically humans that transform into monsters because of wicked deeds or because they are they embody fear and terror and they 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 are afraid and they succumb to these these darker negative emotions, if you will. Uh, but it must be specifically and strategically stated. That when this conversation is had, we must never suggest or imply that fear is unnecessary and should be eliminated because fear is a natural part of life, just like evil, but it's our job to overcome these things. If we get rid of fear as a, as a, as a reaction, as an emotion, and you get rid of what we call evil, then you have real evil. Then you, could, then you have idle hands, and those idle hands are, of course, the tools of the devil. Um, it's the spiritual component, the spirit and the soul that overcomes those things. That is the, the light and the godliness and whatever it is, the purity in the world uh, that most of us would like to see uh, in a more, let's call it, utopian world. So our week's kind of been very dark here on The Secret Teachings. Uh, Pedophile Express with Kevin Annett was a show we did on Tuesday. And last night we talked about the hybrid show Sweet Tooth on Netflix. But I just like to recap sometimes to state that we get these ideas for shows and show titles and we, we go through this process of preparation here on the on the secret teachings and it's really about following a theme and I just kind of find it naturally and 
as I discussed on Monday and as I was thinking about up up till today, uh, I, I just realized, you know, the, the things that we talk about that are dark, I, my intention is to show you that, the, yes, there are very dark things, but there's no reason to be afraid of them. There's no reason to be scared. And people say The Secret Teachings is a scary show. Sure, entertaining in the sense of it's scary, it's entertaining, but it, it, it's not intended to be that. It's intended to frighten you out of complacency so that you take control and you don't allow fear and things like that to control you. That's my intention. That's my stated attention publicly made here on the show tonight. But to go beyond that, I am joined by my good friend and my co-host, Jack, from the Messenger of Information website. It's messengerof.info. It's also linked up on our website. If you go to the bottom of the page, www.thesecretteachings.info. Jack, it's been a while. We got to meet up when I went on my cross-country trip. How are you, and what exactly is it about fear that you wanted to talk about tonight? I was afraid that I'll never be on your show again. <laughs> I was afraid you wouldn't be back either, Jack. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we, we have a lot to talk about regarding fear. This is a fear-based reality. That's the way I articulate it. But uh, how are you doing? Yes, I haven't been on for what? month and a half maybe well you know what i actually have a a show that never aired the show that we did on the trip never aired because the network was down so i still have a show that we did that's it's just kind of a lost episode i'll have to play sometime (laughs) put it in the archives yeah i might actually do that i might just actually we did two shows did i don't think either one of them aired no you're right we did we did one that was a more more uh it was more fun. It was, it was just fun with hope, and we were giving you the business. You guys did give me the business, and yeah, that I'll, I'll try to. Po- I was going to either air those or try to post them somewhere. I kind of on and off forgotten about it, remembered it, just never did much with it. But yes, we we had some other shows uh, that we talked about. Uh, we talked about a lot of things, but but we talked about fear tonight. Um, I read uh, an article from the American Journal of Managed Care. Uh, and it was talking about the effects that fear has on the body. A lot of the things that are in this article, it, it, I think it's common sense, but people that are afraid, uh, people that are anxious and worried all the time, uh, this disrupts your what we call an immune system. It disrupts the endocrine system, uh, the nervous system. People that are afraid and anxious, they, you know, they, they tend to shake a lot. It disrupts your sleep patterns, which can affect your weight, uh, eating disorders, um, uh, it, 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 disassociation from self was something that is, is considered a mainline uh, health acknowledgement and effect of fear, just disassociation from reality, uh, phobias, mood swings, obsessive compulsiveness, trying to control, like everything that is, uh, I, I, I guess you could say, a negative bodily response, something that hurts us and harms us is really based in a state of mind that is one that's terrified and one's af- one that's afraid. I think that this is almost like a program, a software program that maybe at the soul level we chose to experience, but from a spiritual standpoint and or I guess from a spiritual standpoint, you could say also that uh, if there are entities out there that fear off of negative or that feed off of negative emotions, such as fear, 
then that could factor in to our actuality as well. Yeah, I mean, those are stories that are told all over the world, various cultures, that there are things, there are creatures that feed on fear. I, I don't know, Jack, I think on one level, it's a metaphor. Uh, on another level, I, I don't discount that there aren't actual physical, literal things that feed off of fear. And I think the evidence of that can be found in uh, human beings. There are human beings that feed off of destruction and chaos uh, they allow the darker side of the soul, if you will, to overtake the lighter side, and they just become these uh, these husks, these shells with blacked out eyes, and they feed off of destruction and terror and fear, and they, they want to harm people, and they get off on it. Well, and satanic ritual abuse would also reflect that, that uh, these entities are feeding off the fear of uh, the children, the babies, and or adults as well that they uh, torture and whatnot. So you see these it's as an like- interesting topic. And uh, you and I both like to look at the meaning of life and why are we here and what is this all about? I don't know how many people out there uh, go that deep. Uh, they just think, well, this is the way life is. But you and I like to analyze things and kind of try and figure out what is this all about. So uh, there's some different possibilities for sure. But I think the things we've already mentioned all have merit. Well, do you think that these are actual creatures? And do you think that it's part metaphor? Um, I feel that it's both of those things. And mm-hmm. I, al- I also feel if it's not an actual creature, that through certain processes of compulsive thought, we can create those creatures in ourselves and externally, like a golem or a tulpa, like a thought form. I think it's both, metaphorically speaking, but also yeah, I believe there's other dimensional entities that are are preying on humanity and and not just humanity, but also uh, all life on this planet. Um, Certainly the animals, which we'll talk a little bit about as well, because fear does not just affect humans. It also affects animals. Well, I can, you know, I can see fear even in my son Fox. There's sometimes when uh, like, I don't know, he'll go down and throw rocks in the pond and he knows he's not, he's two years old. He knows he's not supposed to like go too close to the water, but if he steps on a a rock or something, he kind of wobbles like he's going to fall over. He gets really scared and he'll start shaking. You know, little kids feel fear in the same way that adults do. They just might not understand what it is and it's more instinctual. Um, And we're, we're, you know, we're pulled to those kinds of things. We're pulled to, um, we're pulled to nature, we're pulled to light and the sun, and that makes us feel good. But likewise, there are people that are, of course, pulled to darkness. They're pulled to destruction. It's a constant balance between the two, Jack. I don't know if it's balance. I'd call it imbalance. <laughs> well, it's imbalance if it goes too too far in one direction. If you just... Yeah, and I think the dark, the dark uh, emotions and uh, way of life is probably uh, tipping the scales for sure. Well, that's, that's, I guess, was uh, best uh, portrayed in Star Wars, was it not? The dark side and the light side. And it's a constant battle uh, for balance, but a lot of people succumb to darkness because it's just, it's, it's like Yoda said, it's an easier path to be evil. It's an easy, easier path to be uh, dark, to join the, the dark side, if you will. Uh, Jack is our co-host this evening here on The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. I'm going to take a short break and come back with the next longer segment right here on the broadcast www.thesecretteachings.info that's the website check it out check out the books stay with us we'll be back
You are listening to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM, where you can catch the secret teachings with Ryan Gable five nights a week after Lighting the Void with Joe Rube. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hear more while supporting the show, visit our website at www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to our show archive. As a yearly subscriber, you can download and stream every show after it airs and get access to the digital versions of each one of my books. For the month of June, home of the summer solstice, you can submit a one-time donation of only $45 and get a free physical copy of one of my books with free shipping. For those of you who want to consistently support the the show, you can subscribe for a monthly donation and get the same access to the archive. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on the donation subscribe tab at the top of the page. If you're just interested in the books, you can find each one of those on the website as well. And if you have any questions, you can email me at rdgable at yahoo.com. Thank you so much for supporting The Secret Teachings over the years. I look forward to keeping you company through all the late nights and early mornings for many years to come. My name is Alex Exum, and you're listening to The Fringe FM. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now, the Paranormal Radio app free in google play and the ios app store do you want to know more about this strange and weird reality we live in join me jess rogie the host of the rogie report where we explore the unrevealed every wednesday night live at 6 p.m pacific 9 p.m eastern here on the fringe fm ktlk digital broadcasting This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show. You can find me at Truth Frequency Radio or on my home website, www.kevbakershow.com. And you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. The truth is out there. And so are we. KTLK. Digital Broadcasting. The Fringe FM. This is Michael Strange from Troubled Minds. Did you hear that scientists recently discovered radio waves coming from Proxima Centauri? Well, I cannot confirm nor deny we are broadcasting from that neck of the woods. You are listening to KTLK, The Fringe FM. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is The Secret Teachings Radio on The Fringe FM. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell. My website is jordanmaxwellshow.com, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows. Keep listening with your host, Ryan Gable. If you want the most unique blend of subjects anywhere on radio, from parapsychology, pop conspiracy, parapolitics, the paranormal, and symbolism, look no further than The Secret Teachings, airing Monday through Friday right here on The Fringe FM. Our topics, themes, and perspectives are not bogged down by rhetoric or ideological collective associations. It's just raw thought and consciousness. Check us out by visiting our website at thesecretteachings.info or the network fringe.fm. 
I'm Ryan Gable, and you are tuned into the Secret Teachings Radio right here on the Fringe FM. Broadcasting around the world on the Fringe FM app, talk stream live in the Paranormal Radio app. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us at rdgable at yahoo.com or facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. You can like us there. We don't do any other social media. That's pretty much it. Facebook.com forward slash the secret teachings. rdgable at yahoo.com. Tonight, my good friend and co host Jack is joining us. And Jack was talking to me the other day about uh, fear and about various creatures that personify, that typify fear and that feed off of fear. And I think, uh, as Jack and I were talking about in the first segment, there are creatures that are metaphoric, humans that are monstrous, that are depicted as monsters, uh, creatures from uh, various folklores and myths around the world. And then there are people that perhaps through their constant state of, uh, of obsessive thoughts can create their own reality and create various forms of uh, thought creatures or thought formations uh, like a tulpa or like a golem. They can bring them to life and those monsters can destroy them. And uh, as Jack was saying, and I really think uh, there really, I think there are things that are beyond our vision uh, physically and beyond our understanding, uh, creatures that feed on fear in the same way that humans uh, thrive on sunlight and being in nature, uh, I imagine that there are things somewhere in, in the universe that thrive not just on the idea of, of something that's void of light, like an underwater um, tube worm that thrives at the bottom of the ocean in darkness with high pressure and cold waters and hydrothermal vents, but there are creatures that thrive on, on fear. I mean, there are humans that thrive on fear. Humans that, that, that are able to maintain control because of fear, Jack. Absolutely. I think uh, we could have a little fun and we could go back and forth and come up with fears of different things. For example, people are afraid when you're a kid, but maybe some adults also are afraid of the dark. Um, pretty much everyone is afraid of being stung by a bee or a wasp or a hornet or a mosquito. And I think we could probably go on for about 20 minutes back and forth of a list of all the things that humans are afraid of. Well, why, why is it we are afraid of, I mean, those are two good examples. Why is it that we're afraid of, let's start with the bee. Why are we afraid of the bee, though? Pain. Because it hurts. Do you know, or do you have an idea or, why? And or, and or it, it, you know, depending on what type of animal attack it would be, or an insect for that matter, such as a tarantula, could be uh, life-threatening. So, of course, a majority of people, I would say, are afraid of death. So, I mean, of course, that's probably the number one thing other than the fear of public speaking. Ah! I, w- hey, I was one of the people that was afraid of public speaking. I overcame it with, with radio, I, supp- I suppose. But, you know, you're right. Bees. It, 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 people are afraid because the bee sting could hurt. You're afraid because maybe you're allergic. You could potentially have anaphylactic shock or die. But those things are instinctual. I mean, it's part of human uh, biology and physiology. It, it, it's self-preservation. It's a natural yes. instinct. 
But what I feel sorry for are people who live their lives in fear. I mean, I guess we all do to some degree. For example, um, I like to hike. And um, while I'm generally not concerned about my well-being when I'm hiking, I'm hoping that I'll see wildlife and whatnot. I'm not afraid if a hawk flies over my head or if I happen to spot a deer. But um, I'm not too excited about the idea of a grizzly bear uh, cropping, you know, sneaking up on me or a cougar, uh, which could attack me. So even at that level, um, you know, some people carry bear spray with them or mace or a knife or a gun when they hike. So, I mean, it just goes on and on and on. I mean, yes, most of it is concern for our physical well-being. Um. But then you get into some of the other societal things and people living in fear, like obviously COVID, getting some disease, some phantom virus. So it, it's pretty interesting. But I, I, it's, it's pretty it's dominant fear. If you really break it down, fear is dominant to this um, experience that we're having. Well, fear is, in essence, the dark side of life and the dark side of the soul. So, like, obviously, people that are afraid of a bee, personally, I'm, I'm not really afraid of a bee, per se, but I'm not, I'm not grieving every bee that buzzes by my head because I've been stung a lot by bees over the years, yeah. and it not only does it hurt, but I have a very severe reaction to it. Right. And so when I interact with a bee, um, I try to stay away from the bee. Uh, but the reason that some people are afraid of the dark, maybe they've had experiences where uh, something has traumatized them to darkness. But for the for for the general population, myself included, I was afraid of the dark because the dark was unknown. We didn't know what was there. Therefore, yes. we don't know if it's if it's something that could harm us, even if it's just our, our bedroom at night. Same thing with uh, with death. It's really the fear of uncertainty. Yes, it is exactly that. It's the fear of uncertainty, the fear of what happens next, the fear of what might be. And um, it's easier to succumb to that fear because if you, have, uh, if you have a situation where you're not sure what's going to happen, maybe it's a job interview, you might get a new job or you know, you're trying to buy a house or whatever, uh, you, know, you, you just as well could think, the opposite and think like, well, I definitely have this job. I definitely have this house. And you can lay in bed at night and think, well, there definitely aren't, you know, monsters under my bed. Uh, and, and I personally don't feel like either way is balanced. I feel like the balanced way is to just take things almost in a, kind of like a Buddhist philosophy, take things as they are rather than succumb to either one of those extreme emotional uh, reactions on either side of the spectrum. I don't know. What do you think? I, I think I'm getting back to my little list here because things keep popping into my head about all the different fears there are. You already mentioned a, a huge one, what uh, what others think. I mean, that how ridiculous is that? That that one is, is not even a legitimate fear, really. Uh, the fear of failure. How about the fear of success? Some people are fearful of success. Yes, some people the are fear, fear of success. Fear of rejection. Um, but what, what is the fear of rejection and what is the fear of other people thinking something unsavory about you? It's the fear of not fitting in. It's a human desire. It's a human need. It's part of the hierarchy of needs as yeah. presented by Maslow. So it all, in essence, boils down to human needs. What do we need as human beings? We need 
connection with other people. We need love. We need sunlight. We need food. We need water. We need shelter. We need some level of intimacy, sexual or otherwise. Those are things we need, and we're afraid of not having them. And I think maybe what I think what you're getting at on a deeper level, Jack, correct me if I'm wrong, is that there are people who have studied human psychology. They understand that humans need certain things and desire certain things, and they're hijacking those needs, exploiting them, gaslighting people, and using that as a tool to control people. Absolutely. I I think you said it in your monologue, and and I think that uh, fear controls our behavior. And, of course, the powers that be utilize that extremely well. Uh, Let me ask you this. Do you buy into the statement that fear is the opposite of love? I could argue for it, yeah, and I, I, don't, I wouldn't say I, I disagree uh, or even agree. I just think it's, a, I think it's a well-balanced statement. I think fear is, in essence, the opposite of love because fear draws you toward the darkness and the cold, and love draws you toward the light and uh, warmth. So it's kind of like the difference between heaven and hell. I, I think fear is more hell-based and love is more heaven-based, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I know when I first uh, started learning about all these things about 12 years ago, that was something that cropped up uh, pretty early on. And, of course, most people, when you ask them what's the opposite of love, the first thing that they would say or the first thing that popped into my mind, of course, was hate. But it was a different little spin on it, and it it does kind of make sense. Um, you know, but sometimes, as you said, fear can be a motivator to help somebody do something positive. You know, maybe that fear of failure helps the hockey player become a better player, for example. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I experienced that with radio and I think I'll give you a personal example. When I first began radio, I didn't want to talk because I had a fear of public speaking like I did in middle school and high school. And although it's a little different than public speaking because you're behind a microphone in the studio, I was still afraid of it. I was afraid of what other people were going to think. That fear subsided over the years, and other fears came to the forefront, Jack. Like, I was afraid of not having an interesting topic, and I was afraid of not, you know, uh, not having anything to say. I was afraid of having dead air. And then as I learned, that fear also dissipated, but it, but it, as it dissipated, it allowed me to better myself. And rather than succumbing to it and being like, all right, I'm done. I just can't take it. There's too much pressure. I don't know what to say. I embraced it. And I guess I, I, guess I allowed it to uh, better me. It allowed me to become the radio host that I am today. So fear, I didn't uh, become crippled by it. I allowed it to advance my radio career. Or you know that would apply to anybody's career or what they want in life. It's kind of the point. Fear is a dark side, but it's also there to help you grow. And I think that's a very important component when you look at darkness or you look into the abyss. Really, if you think about it, it boils down to two different things when it comes to fear. The way I look at it would be, as we already mentioned, physical well-being, right? So, If we weren't physical beings, maybe we wouldn't have so much fear if we didn't have a physical body or if our bodies didn't feel pain. But uh, the other aspect of it is the ego. 
And that's that's why people are afraid, you know, to fail or, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, I think it comes down to to ego. What will someone else think of me? Well, what does what difference does it really make? And if you didn't have an ego and you weren't worried about, um, like you said, fitting into society or being accepted or whatever the case may be, uh, then then there wouldn't be those fears. Well, right, right, and and I think it's unfortunate because it's a natural instinct to want to want to fit in. Um, and the only way that you can truly fit in while being an individual is to allow yourself to be you and to not have that angel and that demon on your shoulder, in a sense, pulling you in, in one direction or another, being a truly free, sovereign human being in terms of consciousness and awareness. That allows you to fit in because if everybody tries to be the same thing, it just creates a group collective that can be controlled by the person with the loudest voice or the biggest stick. If you're an individual and other people are individuals, you create a truly inclusive, open-minded community. And it's unfortunate, in a sense, how easy it is to manipulate people's basic instincts and emotions. But if you really want to progress what we call spiritually— you have to allow yourself to go through this process and overcome those fears and overcome the, 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 the darker side of the soul so that you can embrace, I think, true balance and um, true connection with source, uh, true connection with whatever it is that we call God. I think that's kind of part of the process of life. That's just my opinion, though. I think we should be fearful of not being true to ourselves because so many people are not true to themselves. Uh, For whatever reason, I've always been my own toughest critic, and I look at life as being the opportunity for spiritual growth. But um, I have to be my own toughest critic and try to be the best possible version of myself I can be. And I'm not so sure how many people even take that into account. Uh, again, they're just worried about how many Big Macs are going to eat and what TV show is on. And I got a job and uh, right down the list. So from that standpoint, I guess it is a spiritual thing, too. Well, you know, I watched a, a TV show. I talked about it last night on the show uh, called Sweet Tooth. I don't know if you heard of this show, Jack. It's on Netflix. Uh, no, but I can uh, look it up. I have a- access to Netflix. You should you right should now. look at, you yeah. should look it up, but I I wouldn't spend <laughs> if I'm being honest, I wouldn't spend much time <laughs> on it. It was it was a waste of uh, you know, an hour and a half of my life. I won't get back, but I I, I watched this thing because I I had heard uh, about it. I had read about it. I had watched the trailer. And I finally had a moment uh, a night or two ago to sit down and watch it. I watched the first episode. It was filmed in 2019, and it's about uh, a virus that wipes out most of humanity, uh, creates panic, uh, fear, leads to destruction, chaos. Society breaks down and collapses. Um, it implies with the American flag in the background, it's the fall of Western civilization, I think. Uh, that was the implication. But anyway, the, the show is about this virus that wipes everything out, and then in exchange for the elimination of humanity, Mother Nature says, I won't let humans die. I'll replace humans with human-animal hybrids. So babies are born like half deer, half bird, half whatever. And uh, I was sitting there with Hope uh, when we watched the trailer, and I said, well, there's just another anti-human, 
uh, post-industrial Great Reset, probably sponsored by China show before I watched it. And she said, well, she said, you know, I'm one of the people that would, would otherwise probably be pulled in by that because, look, the little kids are cute. And I thought, you know what? A lot of this stuff is on TV, Jack. A lot of the, the movies we watch, it's like a timeshare. You know, you get the golf clubs, you get the flat screen TV, you know, they give you the cute kids. But then when you watch the show, the background audio, when the world's falling apart and these little things that you don't really pick up unless you have closed captioning on or, you know, subtitles, it's like the human race is bad. The virus is good. The, the hybrids are good. Get rid of humanity. Wipe the world clean. It's just like an anti-human piece of propaganda, but they get you with the cute kids. And people are, yeah. are subdued by that because it just plays on your emotions. It, impl- it plays on your good intention and your goodwill to save the planet and save the kids. And it, to me, I understand marketing and advertising, but you know, it's like Bill Hicks said, if you're in advertising or marketing, kill yourself. I'm not serious. This isn't a joke. Kill yourself. Commit suicide. The way that these things are marketed to the public, these ideas, these ideologies – it's all based on fear and fear of not accepting the, the current ideology that is always changing and that is arbitrary. And that is at the core of that fear-based reality that you're talking about. You either agree with the narrative or you are ostracized and you are cast out of the community that you so desire and need to be a part of. And I think that's just wicked for people to use that against humanity yeah. and promote it as entertainment. Yeah. You don't smell as good as you should because you don't use Old Spice and all the poor women have to you know, be supermodel <laughs> figures or otherwise they're losers. Let's, uh, let me take a, a sidestep here um, on the anti-human agenda and uh, let me just say, well, what, wh- who's behind that agenda well, it has to be something that's not humid, or why would there be an anti-human agenda, right? <laughs> so this still could all rotate back to uh, artificial intelligence and artificial intelligence uh, controlling the behavior of humans uh, through fear. Well, that, that combined with or as a, an extension of the fact that there are some humans, you know, that find them at your local country club, you know, your wasps or your up to, you know, your wasp Republicans or your uptight upper middle class elitist liberals uh, that think they're better than everybody else, uh, whether that's politically or religions, religious, the people that think that they're Christians or they're better or they're Muslim because they're better. It's not the mass majority, but it's like an ideology. It's part of the cult. Um, and those, those are the kinds of uh, uh, people that since they believe they're better, uh, they believe that any and all means should be carried out to advance their ideology. And when you get up into the upper echelons of society with the ultra-wealthy and the ultra-elitists, AI or not, Jack, and demon or alien or not, these are people that believe that the rest of humanity should be squarely put into their place and controlled because they feel that they need to be making the decisions. They are God, and they get to dictate to their creation what they should do. And Maybe they're they're controlled by some uh, yeah. otherworldly force. I don't well, know. Th- theoretically, if they're human, they might not. You know, they might think that uh, other humans are below them, but there 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 wouldn't really be an anti-human slogan there. 
Well, see that, what uh, I'm saying. I mean, if if you're a human, you're still human. So that would mean that you'd you'd be disposable as well, even if you're one of the elitists. But the, but the, I think a lot of those people. I mean, you can read the, their writings and you can see the things that they propose, like at the World Economic Forum and other places where they they believe that they are godlike, that they're demigods, yeah. they they're superior to the rest of humanity. They don't even see themselves as humans. And, 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 and maybe, maybe that's the, yeah. me, the metaphor of the demon or the alien possessing those people. But what you were saying, yes, perhaps it goes beyond that. And, you know, I've, I've said that on the show. I propose that in uh, the Technological Elixir book that I wrote. I think that that's absolutely feasible. I like to call them deletist instead of elitist. But that's a new one. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. I get, I get royalties on that one, too. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I know you did a show or two about uh, with Tico, but um, if, if we can shift gears a little bit or go back to the ego concept and how fear um, is, is part of that. Um, here's a little just a sentence or two uh, about with Tico, which is often referred to as a mind virus, propagates the deep seated illusion of seeing oneself desperately confined to the cage of a separate separated ego from this perspective of isolation others appear either as competitors or as prey remember the show we did on uh, uh, the predatory society we live in in uh, a world view in which fear is the basic condition fight and exploitation seem rational empathy ridiculous I kind of like that, but, uh, you know, it, so much of this too, um, when it comes to what I like the, the, the guy that wrote this article, he, he calls, um, he calls this a malignant ego, uh, which he calls for short M M E, right. The me disease. Um, so it's kind of interesting that this mind virus, I think, uh, comes down to ego and or you know playing on fear you know in the tv show stranger things they called it the mind flayer and they took a lot of the the mythos uh from the dungeons and dragons uh game uh but when, when i read it i did a show yes on on monday fear and square about the the wendigo or the Witikos, the kree uh classification of that entity or that creature uh the wendigo or the Witiko, it's a creature of uh, the first nations folklore uh, Wendigo is Algonquin, Watiko is Cree. The way that, that I've uh, learned about this uh, by reading uh, folklore and uh, mythology, uh, Jack, is that a, a Wendigo is a creature uh, that is at its core human and that it transforms into this monster uh, when it does very wicked things. So it's a very wicked human being who transforms into a monster through its wicked deeds, and then it hunts down to kill and eat its victims. So it's not it's not so much a stretch, but you could say that, therefore, the human that does wicked things and transforms into this monster has had its soul stolen by this monster that it turns into. So it's kind of the darkest side of the human. And, and the best example you could give is to go back to Star Wars again, which is why that those movies are so powerful and and so timeless, because Darth Vader is consumed by the dark side, but at his core he is still Luke's father. He's still Anakin Skywalker. The Wendigo is still a human, but it's a very wicked human that is turned into a monster. 
Um, and it's, you know, it's depicted with um, very thin limbs and a skull pushing through the skin and horns and a- animal ears and very bad breath and a very bad odor. Um, the Wendigo, the Watiko, uh, the Japanese have a version called the Oni. It's like a shapeshifter. And uh, they believe that it's, it's brought into existence when a human being who is very wicked dies. And you can therefore say that when a human does wicked things and becomes, in a sense, evil, uh, they lose their soul and they do die. Maybe not physically, uh, but at that point they become an agent of chaos, an agent of the devil, an agent of destruction. So call it a mind virus or call it a, a monster that is birthed through wickedness. I think it's a metaphor I think it's a thought form, and I think it also manifests uh, beyond thought formations. I think it's actual uh, energy and spirit that is corrupted and fallen, if you will. Yeah, and I, I don't. I guess this doesn't necessarily tie in with fear, but if you look at the world world around us, there is absolutely a me disease. By the way, I misspoke. It's malignant egophrenia, of course, but. Uh, it is so much about narcissism, um, and uh, I believe, anyway, when you look around and you just see, in general, it's all about me, 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 and uh, that's a big part of the condition of the planet and what's going on in society right now. So, again, it's, it doesn't really tie in with fear, but it is, does, <clears throat> what Tico does, I, I believe, absolutely, uh, that there is a, a mind disease, if you want to call it that, or a virus. A mind virus, a mind, uh, like the mind flayer from Stranger Things. Yeah, well, absolutely. I, I read about this other creature. It's called the Wei Chugay, and it's part of the folklore of the Athabascan people. It's classified as a man-eating creature or evil spirit, and it's a person possessed by the spirit of an animal. Uh, and when I when I did the show Monday called Fear and Square, uh, as I was reading some of these folklores, uh, Jack, I was thinking, well, the the idea that a person can be possessed by the spirit of an animal, I think it relates to to be like beastile desires. It's animal desires, animal consciousness, not being fully conscious. And so it's not like uh, a deer spirit or like a dog spirit that takes over your body. It's more complex than that. It it refers to animalistic qualities, uh, and again, wickedness that overtakes the human and the spirit and the energy of wickedness and those animalistic, uh, aggressive uh, uh, desires and actions. Those are the things that become part of the human, therefore transforming the human upon its soulful spiritual death into one of these terrifying creatures. And I think... The best example of that can be seen in the story of Beauty and the Beast. A beautiful prince is cursed to turn into this monstrous form, and he can only be freed through what you said about the opposite of fear being love. He can only be freed through love and through the harmony of that woman, Belle. It's a great story, Beauty and the Beast, and I think it refers to this just as much as uh, any other uh, folklore, myth, or whatever it is that we, we show our kids it has a much deeper meaning. It's not just something that's on the surface. Yeah, I never liked that analogy. Oh, they're animal-like, you know, giving a bad connotation to all animals. Animals are not manipulative. Animals can be vicious uh, towards each other, 
but generally uh, it's for the protection of their young or um, right, right. for survival, right? But it's it's nowhere near the manipulation factor that, that humans play upon one another. So I don't like that when they say, well, he's animalistic. Uh, okay. You know, well, I think a better word like would be some of the words you use to describe yeah, and uh, re- the situation. Yeah, and they're referring to animal consciousness. Like the Rosicrucians break consciousness down into seven spheres from the mineral and the elemental to the plant and the animal and the human to the demigod and the god. Uh, and to have animal consciousness uh, ultimately refers in an occult sense to being less than human uh, and not aspiring to go up, but to go right. down on the, the ladder of consciousness. Uh, I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Jack, my good friend and co-host, is with us this evening. His website, messengerof.info. We'll be back in a few minutes, with more from Jack, we'll continue our conversation on fear and its many manifestations. I'd like to direct you to our website, thesecretteachings.info. If you enjoyed this show or you'd like to listen at a different time, take the show with you. Subscribe to the archive. We have weekly, monthly, and yearly subscriptions. The yearly is the best deal. You get an autographed book along with access to the full show archive, the montages, and all the digital books. Or you can grab a copy of one of the books separately on the website, www.thesecretteachings.info. That supports the show, the network, and you. Also check out our affiliate sponsor, Pro One Water Filters. The link is on the website. Stay tuned to The Secret Teachings and The Fringe FM. We'll be back. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM. Do you like The Secret Teachings and Ryan's passionately balanced approach to subjects from food and health to the entertainment industry and the occult? Then check out Ryan's books, available in PDF and softcover with free shipping in the United States. For a practical, balanced, and unique look at the food industry, vaccinations, the theories of disease, and geoengineering, grab a copy of Food Philosophy. For a deeper look into artificial intelligence, UFO cults, black goo, and packs made with the devil in the music and entertainment industry, have a look at the technological elixir. Or look for Ryan's masterpiece, Occult Arcana, an encyclopedia of occult knowledge spanning from mythology and science to symbols and sigils, from ritual magic to voodoo, and from comparative religion and psychic abilities to paranormal activity. All three books can be purchased on the website at thesecretteachings.info, where you can read reviews from other authors and radio hosts around the world. Just visit thesecretteachings.info. The truth is out there, and so are we. KTLK, digital broadcasting, The Fringe FM. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hear more while supporting the show, visit our website at www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to our show archive. As a yearly subscriber, you can download and stream every show after it airs and get access to the digital versions of each one of my books. For the month of June, home of the summer solstice, you can submit a one-time donation of only $45 and get a free physical copy of one of my books with free shipping. For those of you who want to consistently support the show, you can subscribe for a monthly donation and get the same access to 
to the archive. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on the Donation Subscribe tab at the top of the page. If you're just interested in the books, you can find each one of those on the website as well. And if you have any questions, you can email me at rdgable at yahoo.com. Thank you so much for supporting The Secret Teachings over the years. I look forward to keeping you company through all the late nights and early mornings for many years to come. Are you thinking about creating a podcast but don't know where to start? Do you really want to have to learn all this stuff? Individual track processing, enhanced and improved sound quality. Edit out those awkward pauses and slips, mix multiple clips and tracks, back volume, deliver consistent sound. Live podcast production, show notes and SEO optimization, episode upload to hosting, live call screening, balance levels and loud to measure broadcast standards, full branding packages, logo design, podcast site, website, show artwork. Or do you just want to get on the mic and get your ideas out there? The Fringe FM team is here to help with all of your podcasting, audio and video production needs. From simple podcast to audio enhancement, our professional production staff will make it easier than ever to create the podcast you desire. The biggest thing is time. A lot of people that podcast don't have time. It's going to take you months to launch. We did it for you. We could do it tomorrow. Visit thefringe.fm, join our team, and get jump started on your podcast today. Everything is awesome. <laughs> Everything is cool when you're part of a team. This is Jess Rogie, host of the Rogie Report, and you're listening to the Fringe FM, KTLK Digital Broadcasting. If you want the most unique blend of subjects anywhere on radio, from parapsychology, pop conspiracy, parapolitics, the paranormal, and symbolism, look no further than The Secret Teachings, airing Monday through Friday right here on The Fringe FM. Our topics, themes, and perspectives are not bogged down by rhetoric or ideological collective associations. It's just raw thought and consciousness. Check us out by visiting our website at thesecretteachings.info or the network fringe.fm. is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. There's a force in all of us that science knows nothing about. The force of fear. That it's strong enough to shatter the spinal column. We know what it is. What causes it to appear and disappear, we don't know. Guys, you're going to see this. Dom? Phil? alter its environment and the way that it looked and how much like its father Loki you only ever saw what it wanted you to see Wendigos are generally set to hunt and prey on humans who are weak and socially disconnected they'll come from here the fear causes tremendous tensions in the body you can't believe those tensions why can't they become strong enough to keep it it's a truly powerful connection between what we do to nature what we do to each other if you're a really clever one and you know what it is to see then you can make friends with a special one a friend of you and me Wendigos are generally said to hunt and prey on humans who are weak and socially disconnected his name is Mr. Papatuk a rumbling sound then three sharp knocks that's when you'll know he's around you'll see him if you look found a part of a man in the woods today oh this has got to be an animal right this is a myth well, for you yeah his peers then mocked him for his ugliness making his heart become evil and full of rage like an oni he kidnapped men and women to drink their blood and eat their organs see him in your room at night mom does it hurt the boy does it never do the boy 
Anytime you are conscious of an intended sensation, you may obtain immediate relief by screaming. Don't be embarrassed about opening your mouth and letting rip with all you've got, because the person in the seat right next to you will probably be screaming too. And remember this, a scream at the right time may save your life. I'm Ryan Gable, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings Radio, right here, five nights a week on The Fringe FM. The Wendigo, the creature of First Nations folklore, the name coming from Algonquin, a human who transforms into a creature when they perform wicked deeds, and they therefore, as this monster, search to hunt down, kill, and eat their victims. It's also known to the Cree as the Watiko. There are other versions of this creature. The Navajo know a similar version as the Skinwalker, very popular on late-night radio talk shows. The Skinwalker is a witch that can turn into or possess or disguise themselves as an animal. And these creatures are typically seen as having very thin, spindly limbs, They are seen with uh, skulls or antlers, some kind of horn, animal ears, usually very bad odor. And bad odor is also associated with various forms of demons and even alien abductions, of course. The Japanese have a version of this shapeshifter with blue or red skin. It's one of the Japanese demon-like entities that also has horns called the Oni. The Japanese believe that this creature is birthed when a human being dies. Some humans can be so wicked they can turn into an Oni when they are alive. I believe this simply represents that when a person does wicked things, they no longer are human. Their body is physically present, but they embody and transform and shapeshift into one of these monstrous creatures like the Wechuge of the Athabascan people, a man-eating creature or evil spirit, a person possessed by the spirit of an animal, simply referring to the animalistic nature of those who choose to be less than human, less than conscious, aspiring to climb down the seven-rung sacred ladder, rather than up to higher levels of consciousness. Essentially, I believe, as I proposed in my book, Occult Arcana, that humans can sometimes, as most of you know, be less conscious than animals, and therefore some animals are more conscious than humans. And I believe that some plants are probably more conscious than animals. I mean, hell, there might be some plants that are more conscious than humans. Uh, But humans aren't just reacting in their environment to stimuli on uh, the nervous system and stimuli uh, you know, otherwise in their environment. Uh, humans are reacting to things that uh, are, are beyond that, are, are more 
embedded in the conscious and the subconscious and the unconscious when we go to sleep at night. Uh, we wake up with that mar sitting on our chest that brings terror to our dreams uh, or the Sandman that is in our room going tick-tock, tick-tock, putting us to sleep so that he can consume us. It's not the Sandman that you're thinking of. It's a different Sandman, uh, part of the story of the Tooth Fairy that comes and, you know, it takes body parts uh, from you. So it's not, these are, these are not necessarily good stories. Uh, the intention, though, is not to scare it's not to frighten. It's not to leave you in fear. It's to show you the metaphor. It's to show you the mythos. It's to show you the folklore. It's to show you the story. It's to show you that there really are people that embody these monstrous qualities, and there really are people that that turn into these monsters. They might not look like a Wendigo or a Vatico, but they are possessed by something, an ideology. Uh, they're possessed by what? Uh, might metaphorically be referred to as a spirit, and and perhaps they are possessed by something, or they have become something uh, that's not human. And 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 I believe there are absolutely things beyond our vision and within our vision that are monstrous that feed off of fear, in the same way that there are humans that feed off of fear and terror, and you know, profiteer off of pain and suffering, not just in a financial way, as much as there are humans that are drawn to the sun and would like to, you know, read a book and sit outside and feel the wind blow in their, their face and across their skin. Uh, the balance between the two, the dark and the light, is, I believe, one of the, the, the primary uh, necessary functions of the soul utilizing or the spirit utilizing the physical body to experience this reality. That's That's one of my... Uh, beliefs, one of my views. Uh, it's, it can be altered, but that's how I, I tend to view the subject of fear and uh, subject of love, the, the, the two contrasting uh, powerful forces in our world, the good and the bad, if you will. I'm joined tonight also by my good friend and co-host Jack, uh, who was talking to me last week about fear and about the Wendigo or the Watiko. And uh, in the last segment, we talked a little bit about the mythos and the nature of uh, mind virus, which I firmly believe, Jack, uh, is, is an ideology. Ideologies, uh, whether they're ideologies of destruction or whatever they might be, ideologies are uh, proof of mind viruses and how they spread and how people chant the slogans and are whipped up into these magical frenzies. Uh, I think that's a great place to start with proof of a mind virus, cult ideologies. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Uh, but just getting back to what uh, you were just alluding to, I, I'm saying that um, metaphorically and uh, philosophically, I like when you brought in the word conscious or consciousness, because I think in essence what this is all about is if if there's less consciousness, then that's what creates monsters. And it doesn't have to be something with horns or big teeth or whatever. It's a human not being aware, not striving for spiritual growth and falling into the, that dark pit and, and going the opposite way, being completely oblivious to why we're even here from a spiritual level. And, and therefore if you ignore that whole concept of, of maybe this is all about overcoming fear and you're just not aware of your own, you're not self-aware, you're not aware of your own behaviors, your own thoughts, how your behaviors affect other people. That's what really creates the monsters. Any Anybody can be a monster at varying degrees. 
I think that's really what this is probably depicting is not necessarily yes. some ogre or, you know, some Frankenstein or whatever it might be, werewolf or some other kind of monster. It's really about humans just being completely unaware of why we we're put here and not striving for to, to better themselves. No doubt about ab- that one for you. No doubt about it. I think that's very well said. And uh, that's making me think uh, of uh, there, something called Takotsuba cardiomyopathy. It's a technical name for the weakening of the left ventricle and the, the heart's main pumping chamber. How do you remember that shit? <laughs> I can't even pronounce those words. <laughs> I don't know if I'm That's pronouncing why I, it right. I call you data, lovingly call you data. Well, come on. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. You know, I pronounce things. You guys got on me about <laughs> my pronunciation. You could just rattle it off. It just blows my mind. <laughs> Let's just call it cardiomyopathy. <laughs> Takotsubo cardiomyopathy. But anyway, it's like, it's it, it's it's an officially recognized condition where the heart fails, and it's considered a result of extreme emotional and or a combination of physical distress. And it's usually... The heart as, fails. It's associated with uh, the loss of a loved one or some traumatic event or a natural disaster. In other words, it's, it's heartbreak. You can die of heartbreak, and if you can die of heartbreak, you know, a loss of love and connection, you can certainly die from being consumed by fear and anxiety and terror. I mean, we already know those things break down the body's uh, but, systems. And, and But also, again, I guess metaphorically, if you don't live from the heart, right, if you aren't love, if you, if you don't focus on love, if you don't live from the heart, people's lives can be very dark or very uh, unpleasant because they're, they're not trying to be love, so to speak. Well, certainly. How many people focus, really focus on that? I try to, and I, I've been, I, there's periods in my life I got pretty good at it, and it's kind of a roller coaster. But when you just say to yourself every morning, I want to be love, okay, I'm going to live from the heart and ask for that strength and that self-awareness to, to have that at the forefront of your mind all the time and help others and put others before yourself and right down the line, your life is going to be more productive, I think. And probably more positive than you if you completely don't even pay attention to that concept. Do you try so to, that? Therefore, will affect your physical body as as well as the the life, your life, and the quality of your life. What well, absolutely does, and I know that you try to incorporate that into your life. Do you not? Oh, absolutely, absolutely try to, and uh, I feel better about myself, especially when I catch myself do living from the heart and saying, wow, you know, because if you, if you think about that on a daily basis, it kind of like, it, it kind of becomes, uh, um, like you're in auto, automatic pilot, so to speak. Right. And, um, and then you just start doing things that are positive and thoughtful and considerate and kind. And then sometimes you go, wow, you know, I just did something and you acknowledge that yourself and it makes you feel, feel good. And it's like, yeah, I need to keep doing that because it makes you, it makes you feel good because that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be here to be love and live from the heart, not live in fear, not be hateful. Well, if you can die of a broken heart, uh, you can certainly die of, of being frightened to death or, you know, scared to death, as you say, it's a euphemism, but you really can be scared to death and you can also be, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to necessarily go down this road because I want to go somewhere else with the conversation. But do you think you can be loved to death? Can there be too much love? 
<laughs> You're asking the wrong guy on that one. A lifelong <laughs> bachelor? Come on, buddy. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe there could be too much love. I'd I'd like to try and experience that. Yeah, that would be interesting. What a way to go. I'd rather go that way, right? <laughs> be, you know, die of fear. Perhaps what, what I'd like to take the conversation, though, if you don't mind, just for a few minutes, is back back to how how this you know fear based reality affects our daily lives and the decisions that we make. Um, and and what would it be like, Ryan, if we didn't live in fear? What what would that feel like? Uh, well, some of, of us know what it feels imagine, like, isn't it? Some of it, some of us knows what it, know what it feels like. I've, it's been a work in progress for me, but every single day I wake up now, um, I'm much less afraid, much less stressed, much less anxious than I was a week ago. Um, I, I feel myself. This is something that in my personal life I've been dealing with. I feel much less afraid, much more in control every single day that I focus my attention on these types of things. Contrary to popular belief. Staring into the abyss doesn't always consume you when you have the right tools to combat that darkness. You know, I think, too, really, if you think about it, fear causes negative thoughts. I mean, I literally recently uh, was homeless. Um, and leading up to that, uh, over about a three-week uh, period of time, um, I got to say, I try not to live in fear, but I, I, you know, I definitely was concerned. And uh, if I would have erased the fear and just known that, you know what, I'm going to be taken care of. There, there is some higher, higher being or my higher self or, or whatever it may be. And I'm not going to buy into those negative thoughts, those fears of, oh, my God, I'm homeless. Where where will I live? What am I going to do? Extremely stressful. Um you know, it would have been easier to cope with. Maybe I would have been delusional and I would have still ended up homeless. But but that certainly came into play uh, during this time period where I'm like, OK, I just have to have that confidence and that inner knowing that I'm being looked out after. Look, you know, look, look, I'm taken care of uh, from a higher power somehow, some way. And everything's going to be all right. But is, is this really a higher, see, this is the thing that I think about. Is it really a higher power or is it something that, in a, not in a negative way, but uh, an idea, a concept that humans have created so that they can deal with that feeling of not being in control? But through the concept that humans have created, it leads to uh, more, let's call them positive thoughts, which then therefore projects out into the universe and magnetically attracts those things that we interpret as some higher being taking care of us. But simultaneously, does that also mean that if we think that way and we create these ideas, that we don't manifest that that higher power yeah. that then takes yeah. care of us? It's it's just a projection of self, especially right. in, in occult studies. If we are just branches of one universal tree, if we are just extensions and, and rays of light from a single thing that we call source. Yeah, and, and you know, maybe again, that's the savior complex or something. But but if we just take it upon ourselves to be confident and positive, maybe maybe things do work out. Generally, think generally speaking, if you live a, a decent life, things typically fall into place. Typically, for whatever reason. But let's just talk about waking up in the morning and living with fear. 
So I set my alarm clock uh, last night, and then I'm fearful that my alarm might not go off, and I'm going to be late for work. And my alarm does go off. I'm just ad-libbing this, by the way. My alarm does go off, and I wake up, and um, I start to make breakfast, and I'm afraid that the toaster's going to burn my toast. And by the way, the boss called me in for a meeting today, so now I'm afraid that I might lose my job or I might be reprimanded. And guess what? It's April 15th, and uh, I haven't paid my taxes, so now I'm afraid that the IRS is going to come after me. And on the way to work, I'm listening to the radio, and they're forecasting um, potential tornadoes. So now I'm afraid of the weather, and they and talk you, about the war in Iran, and now I'm fearful of war. And um, I'm also f- fearful of the economy because they talk about how the economy is going to crash. And... Um, then they talk about COVID. So now I'm fearful of getting uh, this this fatal disease. And the list goes on and on. You see what I'm saying? It, it, it's just and, and these are maybe not even these are like subconscious fears. Right. Um, but that does really dictate our daily lives. If you stop and think about it. No, it certainly dictates our daily lives because all the things that you just described are things that we need or things that we desire as needs. We need, you know, to make some kind of income or have some access to, to, to resources so we have shelter, so we have food, so we have water, so we have connection. Right. If we don't and have- some people are going to have different fears because if you are homeless, you're going you're gonna to be fearful of where's my next meal coming from and where am I going to sleep tonight? So that's very fundamental and basic. But other people might be fearful that they're not going to be able to afford that brand new BMW they were hoping for. All of that, you know, that's the wide range of fear that exists, and, and all of that breaks down to to those basic fundamental needs that I I, I would go so far or as wants. to say, well, some of them are wants. You know, the need for food, the need for water, the need for shelter, the need for companionship, the need to fit in. Like those are those are desires, those are needs. Wants are different. We, but that's kind of the point, though, isn't it? Because wants have been manufactured. Like you don't you don't need that body perfume you don't need that watch you don't need that new phone but we have been trained to believe that we need those things and then the basic human uh needs that we all have we've been unconditioned in a sense like we've been conditioned to think that the things we need are really wants and we can replace them with things that are genetically engineered and things that are synthetic fake foods chemicals in the water but the things we just want those are actual needs, and we have to do whatever we can to acquire them. And that leads to the state of mind that you're describing, where we're constantly afraid all the time of not achieving some artificial lifestyle. I mean, think about it. The fear of rejection really is a big one, too, because I could be out uh, at, the, at the local dance club, and I'm, a, I'm fearful to go approach a woman to ask her to dance because I might be rejected. Well, now they're making it even more difficult to do that because as a, as a man, if you approach a woman, it's sexual harassment in some places. Yeah. you got to get permission to kiss a but, woman. I mean, think about the first time you ask a girl out, right? I mean, you, you sat by the phone, and you're shaking, you're sweating, you, you maybe wrote some notes down, and you're, you know. I mean, so it, it just surrounds us. It, it, it really, it, again, it, to me, it is a fear-based reality. And that's a really good descriptive term. 
Well, but the but the bottom line is, despite the fact that I think virtually every listener understands that, I feel that the, the solution must be discussed next. And I think the solution is very simple. The solution is to recognize what you're describing, and uh, then you find a way, find a, a, a you know a, a, an avenue, a street that you can easily navigate down to take control of the things that will allow you to alleviate that fear. Um, and one of the things is like procrastination or just outright laziness or whatever, that pe- when people procrastinate, like you're afraid you're not going to get something done, so you, you wait longer to do it. I mean, it's, it's very counterproductive. If you just get up and do it, it takes uh, less time, and then you alleviate all the fear and all the stress of you know, not doing those dishes. You know, rather than sitting there and worrying about doing the dishes, just go do them real quick, get them over with, it'll be done. Just something as simple as that. It's the same way with being afraid of of everything else. Just you, you got to get it done. Or as the new age community says, you got to do the work, man. You got to do the work. I don't know what the hell that means. All I know is if, I, if I'm afraid of something, I'm going to try to confront it. I'm going to stare yes. at it and I'm going to overcome it. And that's what yeah. that's what I don't I man, I don't like this this new age crap where don't look into the abyss. It'll consume you. The darkness just can. Well, that's because you're weak minded. Okay, if you look into the abyss and you have the proper tools, you use the abyss to progress yourself forward. You use it to catapult you over the darkness into the light. Nothing worth doing is going to be easy. Darkness and wickedness is easy. Monstrous, you know, actions are easy. It's dedication to what is right that is difficult. And darkness will get in your way to offer you all these things so you don't have to work to achieve anything. But that's not reality. You have to work to achieve. You have to work to build. And that a lot, a lot, if not all that work, is in the mind. It's consciousness. And it's achieving what people call a connection, as I said earlier, with source or with God. I, I'm going to try to rededicate myself to not living in fear. And I'm going to try to overcome any and all fears, which means when I do go to the dance club, and I'm not going to be afraid of rejection. I'm going to go up to the best looking girl in there. And even if I think before that she's out of my league, nope, not going to fear it. I will just go right up to her and ask her to dance or might even ask her, you know, out on a date. How and, about that, Ryan? And, and what do you think a lot of women are afraid of? Women that I've talked to are that they won't be approached. That they that won't be approached, <laughs> right? Even if they're the most conventionally attractive, or some you know, woman there approach them, you know. So I mean, that's just in the sense of you know a love life, you know, human connection, uh, overcoming those things by just doing them, not procrastinating. I mean, these are these are practical solutions. These you don't have to buy a book, you don't well, have to take a seminar. Uh, it's I, things that you just do. I think it'd be an interesting experiment to really try and keep this in the forefront of your mind. Um, I'm not going to live in fear and recognize and acknowledge every time you have a fearful thought. Go, oh, wow. Okay, stop right there. And then think about how how your behavior would be affected from that thought. And and then flip flop it into nope I'm not going to be afraid I'm just going to move forward and do whatever and I just I just uh, just for a week just for one week and just see what kind of effect it would have if any on your daily life well see I just had a fearful effect too because we've got like 10 seconds and I didn't know where I could cut you off <laughs> I'm Ryan Gable I was afraid you were going to cut me off <laughs> this is the secret teachings we'll be back with Jack
You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence, David has no evidence, but... I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on The Fringe FM. And join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's thesecretteachings.info and The Fringe FM. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles and ingredients even those in your pet food with free solutions to better health then check out food philosophy all three of these books are available in soft cover or pdf at www.thesecretteachings.info that's where you can read reviews see pictures and even order yours today. It not only supports the secret teachings and Fringe FM, but most importantly, it supports you. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hear more while supporting the show, visit our website at www.thesecretteachings.info and subscribe to our show archive. As a yearly subscriber, you can download and stream every show after it airs and get access to the digital versions of each one of my books. For the month of June, home of the summer solstice, you can submit a one-time donation of only $45 and get a free physical copy of one of my books with free shipping. For those of you who want to consistently support the show, you can subscribe for a monthly donation and get the same access to the archive. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on the donation subscribe tab at the top of the page. If you're just interested in the books, you can find each one of those on the website as well. And if you have any questions, you can email me at rdgable at yahoo.com. Thank you so much for supporting The Secret Teachings over the years. I look forward to keeping you company through all the late nights and early mornings for many years to come. They all say the same thing. They're all like, you know, over the last four years, everything good that happened was because of us. And we would have done more good stuff if it wasn't for those guys. And then the Democrats go, oh, we did all the good stuff. <laughs> it's like you're all working for the same guy. Want more of The Fringe? Check out thefringe.fm for more information on your favorite shows. Also, don't forget to check out the Fringe mobile app or the other ways you can tune in through the Paranormal Radio app and talk stream live. Where the normal and paranormal collide, it's the Fringe FM. Attention, you are tuned into restricted airspace. Tune out immediately. This is KTLK Digital Broadcasting, the Fringe FM. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Secret Teachings. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. I'm Clyde Lewis from Ground Zero Radio, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. 
badly frightened just before they die. There's a force in all of us that science knows nothing about. A force of fear. That it's strong enough to shatter the silent calm we know. What it is, what causes it to appear and disappear, we don't know. So they have to find out. Maybe it's a force that makes a sign tingle when you see it. Exactly. Tingle. can do a great deal more than that. You know, it's odd. I've been experimenting with this force for years. Never had a name for it until now. Now I think I'll call it the tingler. You do all the autopsies on Most of them. Until the county, too. Ties in with my experimental work in fear. Many people die in fear. How many die of fear? I mean, being scared to death. Not on the death certificate. Fear causes tremendous tensions in the body. If you can't relieve those tensions, why can't they become strong enough to kill you? I'm Ryan Gable. And you are tuned into The Secret Teachings Radio. It's acknowledged by mainline medicine and science that you can die of cardiomyopathy or a weakening of the left ventricle, the heart's main pumping chamber. In essence, you can die of heartbreak. You can die from extreme emotional and therefore physical stress, from being distressed. Now, you can die of heart pain, of loss, then you likely can die of fear. Uh, It's not recognized that people are scared to death unless someone's scared and they have a heart attack, you know, or, you know, you you scare them to death and they they, they have a panic attack and they they end up dying, the heart pops or something like that. But you can can die of heartbreak from losing love. Um, You can die of being scared to death. And in fact, I think that's one of the components that perhaps is overlooked in terms of darkness and why darkness is so powerful because darkness and things that are considered, you know, black in nature, black magic, it offers you the it offers you these artificialities that you can you can extend life indefinitely and that that's living forever when in fact it's actually dying forever uh, without any connection to source. It promises you all these wonderful things, whatever you want, whatever you desire. But if you desire things that are not things that you need, then you will always be consumed by an artificial and synthetic construct. And that's why from a a simple marketing standpoint in, in terms of what products you see on TV to things that are not products that you can put into a package, you know, and ship out with a label, but in, 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 uh, you know, the, the difference between that and, and an ideology is huge. We don't think about the ideologies that are sold to us, ideologies that lead to hatred and that lead to separation and that lead to broken hearts. And when the heart is broken in this way and we don't live from the heart, we, we succumb to that darkness, we succumb to the mob, we succumb to the ideological collective, we succumb to the demands of the hysterical and the demands of the emotionally distraught. And that not only artificially keeps us alive temporarily, but it consumes what's left of our soul. Our bodies decay. And I mean this in in, in, in somewhat of a literal way. And we destroy through those collectible, uh, collective ideologies all of the beautiful things around us. And the world starts to decay and art disappears, music disappears, conversations disappear, communication disappears, open free thoughts disappear. It leads to utopia. So you can see, uh, or dystopia rather, you, you can see all the, 
all the all the components of this love and hatred and love and fear and dying of a broken heart and 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 being scared to death but being artificially kept alive by the darkness you know these are concepts that are popular in movies and TV shows and 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 you can see it in politics and religion but it's applied to our daily lives we experience the back and forth black and white masonic checkered floor and if we succumb i believe firmly i believe if you succumb to one or the other you might as well have succumbed to the opposite. If you succumb to love and light as much as you succumb to darkness, you're succumbing to a new age ideology of I want to ignore the darkness, let it surround me, and never face it and never redress it. So you always are surrounded by Leviathan, and you never are free to truly be yourself. Love and light is another counterintelligence, anti-human ideology as far as I'm concerned. If you really want what love and light implies, then you have to face the abyss with the tools necessary to conquer the abyss. Because those monsters, those demons, those angels, that darkness, those serpents are there to help you if you allow them. If you don't allow them, they're going to consume you because that's their job. Again, I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. I'm joined tonight by my good friend and co-host, Jack, from the Messenger of Information website. Jack, there's a 1959 movie called The Tingler with Vincent Price, who plays a doctor named Warren Chapin. And he finds that uh, that sensation you get, that spine-chilling sensation you get when you're afraid, is actually caused by a physical parasite. And if you don't shake it off, if you don't scream and uh, get rid of this parasite, it'll snap your spine and it'll kill you. You'll be frightened. You'll be scared to death. There's a 1959 movie. It's a pretty interesting concept for the 1950s uh, uh, or for any time. And it's something that I think applies to what you said earlier, my friend. You said that you believe that there are things that are physical, that are monstrous physical forms that feed off of the darkness. And I really truly believe that there absolutely are things and we could classify them if we had more time that are physical in nature that feed off of that that evil and i think we can find examples of that just within human beings a lot of you probably know people who thrive off of of evil and darkness and suffering look at the impact that covid has had regarding fear and um and more importantly to your point uh to physical harm So how many people are living in fear of COVID and therefore they're wearing masks, which is not healthy for them to do, right? They will then go get a, um, a, we don't call it a vaccine. It's an injection, right, Um, that has not been approved by the FDA that, that doesn't really matter, but we know that it's it's on it's not proven safe, right? So because of fear, they allow themselves to be jabbed with this concoction that they have no idea what effect it's going to have on their physical body. And again, if there is some type of an energy vampire that that reaps a harvest of fear, look at all the fear that we're surrounded by, and um, and COVID is just creating a, a you know it's a fear factory for sure. Well, let's. Um, what, can we can we address that real fast? I, not about COVID per se, but think think about this. Doesn't matter what side of the so-called vaccine aisle that you stand on, but people on one side are afraid 
that if other people aren't vaccinated, they will be in danger. And so they they, they develop this, this disgust yeah. or this hatred or they stay away from those people. But we have to be fair because on the other flip side of the, the aisle, people that won't get a vaccine for any reason, won't get a vaccine, uh, despite the propaganda and all the manipulation, the gaslighting, those people are equally now afraid of the people who have gotten a vaccine because of things like shedding and yeah. uh, other theories yeah. that have been proposed. So no matter which side you stand on, you're afraid. You're afraid of other people not having a vaccine. You're afraid of other people having the vaccine. You're afraid. But look how and that's so going sit- to affect. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. That's going to affect people's health. Well, of course. I mean, you know, when you're talking are about up. fear can kill you, the, these contribute. The COVID fear on all those fronts and more, all these different fears related to COVID are having a negative impact on people's health one way or another. And that's that's in mainline literature now. That's in mainline media. Suicide rates skyrocketing, depression, alcoholism, drug use. Everything is skyrocketing alongside of crime in most major cities that have been shut down and People can't defend themselves, and criminals are allowed to roam the streets free, and attorney generals just let them go if they're part of some radical uh, group. So that's the destruction of society. That's 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 the abyss consuming things. And I don't think, you know, I don't think that we need to be afraid of it. I think we need to realize. I'll, I'll give you this as an example. I'm at work the other day. My friend comes in, and she says, "You know what? I'm not really worried about things." Uh, I'm just going to to do what you said, you know, the other day, Ryan. She she had referenced what I said to her. We were having a conversation uh, about shedding, and I said, you know what? I feel that consciousness is more powerful. Uh, consciousness can override whatever synthetic systems are being introduced into our environment, because I I know Jack just like you do. We've talked to people like Harold Kautz and others. And they've they've discussed the, the the construction that we can see the evidence of around us of a synthetic reality, uh, a digital sub reality, and an artificial consciousness that will control it and run it with machines. I think real consciousness is so much more powerful. I think the evidence of that can be found in the fact that people work tirelessly to suppress it and to manipulate our consciousness, and that consciousness can override all of that. That is being done to to our environment, to to humans, to to everything. I think consciousness is important. That's the key. And my friend said, I, she's like, I'm not really, I'm not really that m- I'm afraid anymore. Like I'm really just focused on being consciously aware. And I think that is enough. And and I fully agree. I think that is enough. I think being fully aware, being fully conscious, using the tools to stare into the abyss, as I said earlier, I think that's really the solution, Jack. Consciousness. It's, it's- it's a force field. Consciousness is a force field. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of uh, what you had mentioned earlier um, about facing your fears, I know you can articulate this, so I'm going to give you the floor to do it. But I, I want to reference the uh, underground chambers in the pyramids in Egypt where people went down there and had to face their fears. You know what I'm talking about, I take it. Well, in the secret societies and the mystery schools, yeah, in Greece and in Rome and in uh, Egypt, yeah, people had to face, um, you know, They had to go down in these dark chambers under the uh, pyramids, I believe, and face all kinds of uh, whatever their imagination um, 
would, you know, run away with them, they'd have to face those fears. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe I'm... Well, no, I know what you're talking uh, about. They would ha- yeah. they would be given... Usually in Sumeria, there was a, contrary to popular belief, the woman was considered very sacred, and she would administer a, a hallucinogenic substance in the form of a beverage to the initiates. They would drink it. Um, in that case, it would put people into a trance-like state for three days. They would commune with the spirits, the dead, if you will, and they would come back and they'd be risen from the grave after three days, exit the temple to the east where the rising sun is, and they'd be born again, as the Christians say, or they'd become a son of God rather than a son of man or a daughter of God rather than a daughter of man or a daughter of woman, son of uh, son of woman. So that was the traditional practice. Uh, the process particularly described in Egypt, uh, Manly Hall writes it in The Secret Teachings of All Ages, was yes, they would have to go through these symbolic trials and tribulations in the temples. Un, you know, some of them were underground, a big underwater uh, little like they were kind of these underwater facilities with crocodiles. They'd have to swim across them, and the trials basically would represent the trials and tribulations of life. You conquer those things, then you're like Solomon bottling up the demons in bronze vessels, and then you become powerful as as a, as an initiate, as a son of God, as a son of nature, et cetera. Is that is that what you're referring to? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking it's been quite a while since I looked at that information, but I'm thinking that it, like if you had a fear of snakes, for example, you they were you'd have to go. I guess initiate might be the word. You'd, you'd go in. Um, maybe it was right before you were going to die or, or you were an initiate, but I know there were like chambers under the pyramids and they'd have to go in there. And I, I thought that it had something to do with, like I said, if they were, um, fearful of snakes, they would like have to, I don't think physically crawl through these chambers with a bunch of snakes in there, but somehow maybe they were given some potion or something like that where they would think that they were surrounded by compl- snakes all over the place. Yeah, are you, well, they were made, they, well, off base here or what? Well, no, I don't know anything about particular particular fears, specific fears, but I do know that in the mystery schools, from what we know, the very little probably that we know, uh, they went through a process of initiation that included overcoming uh, certain fears that were symbolically represented through, you know, maybe snakes or crocodiles or you know, the dark waters that they had to swim through to represent the abyss. Uh, and yeah, that was done in Egypt, and that was done in underground chambers, uh, again, as Manley Hall and others have described. So yeah, that's that's something that was done as part of the initiation process, because you had to overcome uh, fear and darkness, and you had yeah. to over... I mean, it's the story of the Jedi in Star Wars. That's where the idea yeah. came from. Yeah. Well, whatever it was that I read that I'm not quite remembering exactly, it didn't sound very pleasant. <laughs> that's one thing I remember. No, it's not necessarily a so, pleasant experience. So be, before we wrap up, cause I'm sure we're probably running out of time. I did want to just touch on how uh, fear uh, affects animals and the animal kingdom. Think about that. Animals in the wild pretty much have to constantly be in fear because they have to be aware of their surroundings and fearful of any potential predators. Well, it's the same thing with, uh, you know, we don't think about children. We don't think about animals. You know, we think about ourselves as adults, as the, the group that we're in. But, yeah, animals feel fear. I mean, I, I would I don't know what an animal feels, but you can see right. fear in a dog. Yeah. Like a dog that's been abused, if someone grazes their hand or moves their leg in the wrong way, the dog whimpers and runs off and puts its head down like it's going to be or a hit. Or attacks. 
Yeah, or or exactly, or attacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I I, I don't like that because I you know how much I love nature and and animals and and uh, you see that um, in all these shows and uh, and of course you know the predatory. Uh, environment that animals live in where they're preyed upon for food for other animals um, you know I mean let's just say deer for example I love deer and you see that uh, you know they have to be uh, aware of, of a wolf or a dog or whatever it might be um, and they and humans are what most animals are most fearful of I'm sure <laughs> they should be um, but, you know, they stop, they freeze, they, they observe, their ears are tweaking, they're listening, they're watching, they, they freeze, you know, in the case of a deer. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, the, the, you've seen all the, the videos of Africa where, where a lion will go after a, a, the weakest gazelle or a baby or something. And it's just kind of horrible. I, I hate it. Um, but those poor animals, uh, for the, maybe they don't feel fear like we do. But they're obviously concerned about their well-being as well. So it's got to be some type of fear. And I think that's just horrible, but that's the well, way that's, it is. That's, that's the natural order of things, though. Things die and so things live. And some things are predators. I mean, I, I firmly believe that. If you don't have those things, then, you know, people believe that you can live in a utopia. But if you live in a utopia in the sense that you never have to work and there's no, there's nothing to be afraid of, not that we need to be afraid, but there's nothing to, to accomplish, then life becomes meaningless and purposeless and there's no reason and to live. I, I, I disagree with you on that one. That's one that we kind of go around and round on because I think utopia, I mean, maybe ultimately that's where we're supposed to end up. Right. And we have to face these different, I, I just call them computer programs or software programs. And in this program, we have to deal with fear and maybe some other program we deal with some other things, whatever it might be. I don't know if that's the way it is, but uh, I definitely believe there is a utopia and I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah, we may have to uh, experience this program of fear. But uh, at the end of the day, I'm all for finding a, uh, a place where I can exist without having fear, without, you know, with feeling secure and comfortable and knowing that I'm, I'm going to be fine and everything's OK. So maybe ultimately that's what heaven is or what, whatever people want to call it. But uh, I don't think this is the only form of life where it has to be that way. And I certainly don't feel that it has to be this extreme the the things that we experience in this world to me are out of control and we could learn any lesson that we needed to without those extreme situations that we face well that's my take uh, on it I, i'm i'm with you on everything except the utopia although i'll add to your utopia comment uh, i feel that that can be a state of mind i don't believe that there's a a one-size-fits-all perfect society. I think that people can find groups that they generally uh, they generally agree with and can find uh, companionship in and like-mindedness. And uh, there might be slight disagreements, but that's about as close to a utopia as you can get. And I feel uh, I feel I, I understand what you're saying, and I feel like um, I feel like it's true that what you're saying about uh, the current state of affairs or any state of affairs about the extreme. Uh, I think extreme is relative, but I really feel like we share uh, a similar opinion on that, even though you you think we might vary. I feel like we share a similar opinion, Jack, because we have this view that 
there's something wrong and there's something artificially artificially being done. And so what's being artificially done is the extreme. There are people that are doing really bad stuff that otherwise we wouldn't be experiencing that. We would be experiencing. But then again, that's just the nature of the reality that we live in. Call it a computer program or otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, and and what I what I'm saying is whether it be a computer program, a software program, or whatever, or whether it be just take a look at Star Trek. I mean, what I'm saying is if if there are other planets and if there is life on other planets and there are other societies, look at all the different societies that are depicted in and the different ways that different beings live on all the different planets in Star Trek. That's all I'm saying. That would be my analogy that there are different ways for us to gain spiritual growth in different societal um, approaches to society. You see what I'm saying? I'm just saying this is not the only three-dimensional, this is the way life is, we have to experience fear. I think this is just one of many different experiences we could have to gain spiritual growth pretty sure Sure. that's the way it is. I don't know how it unfolds exactly, but yeah, I I understand what you're saying too. If life was just, uh, uh, you know, and and maybe it was at one point, or or maybe that's again what we're striving to get back to, where everything is just love and peace and harmony. Yeah, then then what would be the point of that? Maybe, Maybe that's why the Big Bang happened, or maybe that's why there was a fallen angel, so that we can, or the creating source can experience many different things other than this just peaceful, calm, loving uh, existence. Well, that peaceful, calm, loving existence is uni- uh, uniting with source. That's the, I think, the ultimate right. goal of spiritual right. or conscious evolution, right? But, yes. But our experience here, whatever we call it, however we define it, however we perceive to experience it, is one that is... Uh, unique to the individual hence the reason that in those mystery schools the secret societies that you mentioned earlier about the trials uh, that people would go through in the chambers people that went through those things did them virtually alone and they would seclude themselves uh, in caves or you know grottos or in in, in private and temples uh, for days and days and days without human contact they wouldn't eat meat they wouldn't drink alcohol. They wouldn't have sex. They wouldn't communicate with other people because it was an inwardly focused development. Right. And so then you develop yourself in that way. You become a, a brick in the societal temple and you leave the physical temple in order to try to, to, to better help your fellow man, if you will. I mean, that's kind of the idea of masonry anyway. Right. And, and yeah, I, I, I get that. And uh, I'm saying that you can do the same thing here. To an extent, you can live from a higher mindset and you can, quote unquote, create your own utopia here on Earth, but not really, because at the end of the day, you got to come back to reality and it's like, okay, now I still have to deal with traffic and I still have to deal with jerks. And you see what I'm saying? You you might be able to go into a, a temple or go meditate or whatever and escape it for, for a while and create this little utopia in your mind. But at the end of the day, we still have to deal um, 
with daily life in this existence on well, this plane. But if it's that how, makes sense, it does. But it's how you handle those situations that you know people that you're dealing with that are jerks. You can either fight them physically, yell at them, or you can allow it to. But, ca- you, but you still have to deal with them. That's what I'm saying. Well, you well, can't of course, just make them go away. Of course, of course, and and I don't think we should make them go away. And I think it's the same thing when people are like, "Oh, I love." I love, uh, and what did Justin Trudeau say? I love, you know, he loves communist China because they have a dictatorship and it allows them to just turn their economy on and off and move everybody in the same, uh, you know, direction at once. It's like, okay, sure, but that comes at a huge cost to human life, consciousness, and freedom. And those are things that if you want to experience them, you can't connect everybody to one central source, to a hive mind. You know, you might have a society with no uh, crime, but, you know, at that point, being a free human being and thinking for yourself and connecting with source becomes a crime. So that becomes very dangerous and there has to be a balance between them. Uh, Jack, we've got about 60 seconds. Any final comments? I can just tell you one thing that I have absolutely no fear about. And that is that the Tampa Bay lightning is going to win the Stanley cup once again, this season. And you know what? Since I haven't paid attention to hockey, I'm not afraid that they're going to lose. So I win either way. <laughs> if you're if you're afraid that you're going to miss the show or you've missed some of the show, any show we've done, visit the website www.thesecretteachings.info. Subscribe to the archive. You get access to all the shows, the montages, the digital books. Sign up for one year. Get access to all of that and a physical copy uh, with free shipping autographed of one of my books, Occult Arcana Food Philosophy or the Technological Elixir. You can also check out our ProPure, Pro1 now, water filter affiliate on the website. Doesn't cost you anything, but you buy a water filter, shower water filter, kitchen water filter, friends or family. It supports the show, supports the network, and it supports you. Jack, thanks for joining me on the show tonight. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. It absolutely was a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon, and we'll talk to all of you soon. Stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. And we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Time's up. Time may be up for tonight's broadcast of The Secret Teachings, but don't worry, you can still catch us Monday through Friday right here exclusively on The Fringe FM. You can also subscribe to the show and montage archive while grabbing my books at thesecretteachings.info. To get in contact with us, you can email the show at rdgable.com at yahoo.com. Stay tuned to KTLK Digital Broadcasting, The Fringe FM.